This podcast is a Tofop production. Head to tofop.com for more. The following episode of Tofop is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. Tofop advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofu Up. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. I realise I'm actually using my Everyone Relax mug that is oh. available at Redbubble. People can I'm buy one of my, um, Until We Die uh, t-shirt. So just a good bit of um, merch plugging there before we start the show. I just had a mouthful of peanut butter. What? Yeah, I was going to ask what it was, like literally the worst oh, thing no. that you could you eat just before know. you were about to. Yes, I do. Of course I want to know. This no, is exactly what I want know. to know. What it, What weird concoction, what okay. What sort of nutritional so, paste are you subsiding on at the moment? <laughs> so, it's, uh, look. Um, Soylent Green is people. <laughs> it, it all it all ties in together, you know. We we yeah. sort of mentioned last week uh, that we're bulk recording a whole bunch of episodes because uh, you're getting ready to do question everything, and I'm heading overseas for about six weeks. And part of my trip is for work, but part of my trip is is also um, a holiday and to see Jem's family over in the UK. And so, knowing that I was going to be heading over to UK and Europe, I was like, I need, I need to. Um, get into shape before I go and hit those European restaurants and stuff like that. I, I see what you're saying because I, I thought you were like so that you can show those Europeans what real Australians look like. <laughs> Fucking manly yeah. man. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's more I'm, I'm, I'm detoxing in, in order to retox. Yeah, okay. um, uh, so I – but I also like I stepped on the scales um, a few months back and was like, holy shit, like I'm the heaviest I've ever been and not like mm. – you know, it wasn't but a part a, of a, that. It, isn't that part of that's kind of because you're muscly, right? Like, uh, well, no, no, no. Oh. Part of that is part oh. of that is because when you have a child in the house, you and and you don't have a dog, you become the dog. Mm. So right. whenever there is leftover, <laughs> you're food, the dog now, I'm the Charlie. Dog. <laughs> in our house, you're now the dog. Captain is the parent. <laughs> Oh, you're the dog now. I am the dog now. It'd be great. It'd be great if you had a dog and you yeah. just looked the dog in the face and just said, "I am the dog now." I, I'm the dog now. Uh, because if there's, you know, anything left over, and even this morning, like it was like I made this yeah. delicious, you know, um, a buttered toast with honey, and she only took like a mm. couple bites, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's some that's some delicious buttered mm. toast." So I, I, I scoffed that, that down. Butter. Is it white toast, brown brown toast, gluten free toast, healthy yes. toast? Yeah, or well, is it- shit. Yeah, Gem is gluten free, so we have gluten free bread in the mm. house. Um, yeah, gluten free okay. paleo. Um, it's really good, actually. It's just from my local supermarket. Mm. Um, is it? It is actually. <laughs> I, I mean, I do not like gluten free as a rule, but this is yeah. this is the best of gluten. I mean, look, it's good gluten free. So make of that mm. what you will. Yeah. <laughs> what you will, um, but yeah. So I'm always eating Iona stuff and and and, and consuming things, and also just like you know, yes. pandemic and fucking floods and shit, and it's been a lot of stress. It's been a lot of stuff going on, um, yes. and I felt like I needed to turn things around. And I like exercise; it makes me feel good. Jem got me a bike 
my birthday. So, you know, we talked about that last week. And then um, I was like, well, if I'm exercising again, let's eat better. So you're asking what I've been eating? Well, I just completed my first four weeks of um, this is what my day consists of. So it's, you know, about my sweet almond, I love my sweet almond eggs, which is um, yeah. scrambled eggs with brown rice flakes, almond butter, and blueberries on top. Delicious. Mm. I could eat that every every meal. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Del- is it delicious? And then my morning. <laughs> <laughs> and then what? Tell me what's in that again. Run me through the ingredients. You've so got eggs. You, you, so I get like egg whites. So mainly egg whites. I'll crack yep. two eggs in there. Okay. So maybe say like I don't know. Like um, what's happening to the yolks? Where where are the yolks going? So it's like scrambling. So I'll scramble two whole eggs with yeah. like you know six egg whites. I'll scramble like. So where are the extra yolks? Where what's happening to those? You can extra buy yolks? egg whites on their own. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I see. Um, but if not, white, like, white, yeah. white, white, white only, That's only. what you're saying. <laughs> no yellow. That's your real Charlie's One Nation now. <laughs> so I get my whites only together. Yeah. And a couple yeah, of those yellow. Oh my god, those yellow bastards. Egg whites. <laughs> get them couple. in, and then I beat the yellow bastards like, <laughs> until they I blend in with the whites. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I mix them all together. So it's like scrambled, and then. You can get brown brown rice flakes. It's they, they look like little hard rice chips. You can get them from any health food store, or you can use oats. Soak them in the eggs for about a minute till they get soft, yeah. and then you scramble all of it together. So basically, you're getting your protein from the eggs. You're getting your carbs, yeah. complex carbs from the brown rice flakes, and then um, uh, you get a nice scoop of almond butter. And so you put that in the mix while the eggs are still hot and so mm-hmm. it melts and covers all the eggs. So it's like a sweet nutty flavor. And then yeah. you put cinnamon on top of that and then you drop some mm-hmm. fresh blueberries on top and mm, delicious. Mm-hmm. It's like a sweet yeah. almond eggs. How do you feel yeah. about that? You know, what you've, you know what you've basically made? What? A cake. <laughs> like they're all the ingredients of a cake. You've essentially made yourself a cake a for eggy, breakfast. A very eggy cake. A very eggy cake, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that would be my first meal. Then mm. um, I have uh, – well, the last meal was a lot of like – because the first four weeks, it's about bulking. You're kind of like eating mm. huge amounts, um, a lot of like carbs, like complex carbs, like sweet potato, pumpkin, broccoli, that kind of stuff. Um, and then this week, you cut down your calories, and so you're getting to a more leaner kind of look. So hopefully you've built up your muscles and you've and you've cut a lot of fat, and then now this is all about right. just like tightening up and increasing your cardio and stuff. So for breakfast, sweet almond eggs. I'm eating currently. I'm eating grilled <laughs> grilled asparagus with seared kangaroo <laughs> and a dollop of oh, yeah. and a dollop of peanut butter. Um, <laughs> so it's like a satay, like a just like a kangaroo satay with asparagus. Yeah. And then once we're done podcasting, I'll have. Um, a chicken salad with grilled sweet potato, lettuce leaves, and avocado with a nice balsamic dressing. Uh-huh. And then for Arvo tea, I will have um, – it's meant to be fish, but I'll swap it out for turkey. Turkey mince with uh, brown rice um, and broccolini, and I make a nice uh-huh. little sriracha. Um, Mr. Broccolini? Mr. Bob Broccolini? <laughs> Mr. Bob Broccolini, which I don't – can I ask you about broccolini because I love broccolini. Yeah. But when you prep it, do you peel off those little leaves? Like, do you strip it right down so it's just the stem and the the bushy head? Yeah, I, I normally remove the leaves. You yeah. don't need to, though. Like, they're edible. I, yeah, they, I know, but there's something about it. But it's such a pain in the ass to go through, especially when you've got a bunch of pots and pans going and, you know, you're sort of mm-hmm. cooking a big, big – because I, like, I cook in bulk for me and Jen – and to peel off those little goddamn leaves. And also the environmental catastrophe of the amount of rubber bands 
Like each broccolini comes with two rubber bands. By the end of it, I've got like this little ball of rubber bands. I'm like, can we find another solution that isn't the rubber bands to, to keep these together? I agree with that. And also like if I'm cooking broccolini, so normally what I would do is like I would like parboil it or whatever you call it where you just like put hot water on it. Like say you just put it in a bowl, you pour some like hot water out of the kettle on it and then you just like lightly grill it or you know, whatever. fry it or whatever yeah. or grill it or whatever it is that you're going to do to it. You blanch it. You blanch it. That's right. Yeah. You blanch it and then you yeah. like – and that that seems to work. It's Australian broccolini. Did you know that? Like no. they don't have broccoli. What? Like it's an Australian I thought it was Italian. I believe. Broccolini. broccolini. <laughs> like it sounds yeah, like it should be Italian. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't they own the rights to James Bond, yeah. the broccolini family? <laughs> It's only called broccolini if it's from the broccolini area of Italy. So <laughs> when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, broccolini. Um, let me hear the uh, – let's try, try to find broccolini Wikipedia. Here we go. Uh, broccolini or baby broccoli. Why you do that? I'm going to eat one of my asparagus stems. Go yeah, okay. Sweet baby broccoli is a green vegetable similar to broccoli, but with smaller florets and longer, thin, thinner stalks. Okay. It is a hybrid. It's a hybrid. Did you know this? It's, it's like a hi- It's a mutant. Um, it's a hybrid of broccoli and a gai lan, which is like Chinese kale or Chinese broccoli. Ah. So, oh mate, you know how I feel right. about that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to white none of the Chinese broccoli, mate. Australian only broccoli. Well, you know what? I've I've made a mistake too because it is not. Oh. Right? That was actually question everything, guys. Uh, that was completely wrong. <laughs> oh, what I said. That, this is all just a promotional tool for yeah. your TV show. <laughs> exactly. So um, it was actually developed by which nation? Which nation looked at um, uh, Chinese kale? And broccoli, and thought, you know what, we can we make can a beautiful better. baby out of these two things. What what nation do you believe had that imagination? Uh, neighbors of either China or no? Um, oh. It's a, it's an Asian country. An Asian I'll, country. I'll, I'll give you. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. It was it um, known for its innovation. Japan. Yeah, Japan. So, broccolini was a, a originally developed over eight years. <sighs> See, they stuck at it. They had a dream um, by the Sakata. Seed company oh, in Osaka, of Yokohama. I assume they're the the same people who make the the snack foods, the sakata, the the rice crackers and stuff that you can buy. Sakata. So the sakata was developed as a hybrid of broccoli and Chinese broccoli, rather than being genetically modified. So yeah, it's not genetically modified. They they just they got a broccoli to fuck a Chinese broccoli. <laughs> like, like come on, guys! I can uh, see the scientists in the lab just with like. Just with the Chinese broccoli and the broccoli, and just like, come on, kiss, kiss, damn it. Why isn't this working? Eight years. Eight years it took. Uh, Sakata partnered with Sanbon Incorporated in 1994 to begin growing the product commercially in Mexico under the name. Okay, this is great. Yeah. So, what name was Broccolini called in Mexico? Now, you'd, you'd never guess it. Okay. So, um, I'm going to have to give you. Is it L um, something? Bit... L L Broca? No, no. So I'm going to say that it's not. It's not inspiration, but okay. it's perspiration. Close. Oh. <laughs> so yes, you're you're guessing in the right way. The okay. last bit is paration. Okay. Right? So all you need is the the first couple of letters. Um, um, un, unspiration, urbspiration, uspiration, inspiration. <laughs> right. These are all good guesses okay. and make as much sense as 
aspiration, aspiration, which is what it was. Okay. Aspiration. Okay. Um, implying a similarity to a sounds asparagus. like a celebrity cologne, doesn't it? Like you know, will aspiration, aspiration, <laughs> aspiration. Do you like broccoli and Chinese broccoli? <laughs> aspiration. Smell like the greenest <laughs> of the green. Well, you know what it takes. I mean, Will does smell like the greenest of the green, but it ain't broccoli. <laughs> you know what it takes to get a broccoli to fuck a Chinese broccoli? Aspiration. <laughs> so, no, apparently it was meant to make people, because it looks a bit like asparagus, so it, the aspiration was meant to, you know, it's, it, it may be like a type of asparagus. Right, that makes sense. Um, after first becoming available in US markets in 1996, in 1998, Sakata began a partnership with the Man Packing Company in America and marketed the product as Broccolini. Right. So it only became Broccolini in 96 in America. Huh. So there you go. Yeah, right. right. That is interesting. Um, uh. Yeah, well, Broccolini, broccoli and Broccolini is the cornerstone of my healthy eating. Mm. It is the number one. Uh, vegetable that I will consume multiple times a day. Broccoli is a, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful, it has full of fiber, full of um, vitamins and minerals as well. Um, and then the last thing I'll have, Will, is a bit of grilled fish with some salad. That's uh-huh. my dinner. And there are like little bits and snacks you can have here and there, like, um, you know, bananas and you know, little bits of One box of Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> well, you know what I did? Uh, there was a school fate up the road from us yesterday. It was a uh-huh. Hogwarts-themed fundraiser for a okay. primary school that we took Iona sure. to, which i got to say was unreal. Like they had – I'm not really a Harry Potter fan. I don't know much about it. If mm. anyone's heard podcast Mike's um, podcast, Harry Potter and the Boys, I've, I've guested on that and I, I clearly know nothing about the Potterverse. But they did such mm. a great job. Like everyone dressed up. They had like a Harry Potter maze. They had like a din- din- dining alley or whatever it's called where you could like win prizes and stuff. I only had a ball. Um, but one thing they had. Also, the great, the great thing about this local area is there's a lot of people who already look like wizards. Yeah, totally. So they probably just re- they probably just <laughs> rounded up some locals and said, if you can just wander around. No, just bring your own clothes. Yeah. Just wander around and we'll say you're like, oh, yeah, that's a grumble griff. It was the best fancy dress parade you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Like, it's like, wow, these yeah. kids have gone all out. And they just raided their parents' wardrobe. Uh, but there was a, like, a, you know, they had a mock great hall um, where they were selling uh-huh. all their, like, you know, treats. And it was your typical kind of school fate treats. And so um, I got Iona a cupcake and I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm having a cheap meal. If The Rock can have one, I can have one. And Mm. so they had these amazing homemade mint slices, you know, where it's like biscuit bottom with the kind of mint choc topping, like melted mint mint chocolate topping Uh, and a homemade mm. cherry ripe slice. So mashed up cherries and coconut (sighs) with dark chocolate. So I got, you know, Mm. and I'd say they weren't huge, like credit card sized each, you know, probably about, you know, mm. a centimetre thick, and I yep. ate both of them in quick succession mm. and then- Sounds good. Fucking, like, <laughs> felt so crook for the next <laughs> two hours. Like, I guess if you're, if you, you know, if you're tuning up a sports car and then suddenly you dump a fucking tonne of sugar into the gas tank, maybe the engine's going to fuck up a bit because I just was like, oh, like, when you haven't had sugar, like pure sugar for a while, it affects you like, like having- like any drug, like having a line of Coke or smoking a joint or something, like you get a hit, which feels great, and then you feel a bit queasy afterwards and you're like, I either need more of that to take the edge off or I just can never go back to that again. 
Well, it's why you always carry a tiny bag of sugar around with you in your coat pocket, right? Just in case. That's right. When I go to the casino, just. <laughs> Uh, now, Will, we thought uh, because we yes. are going to be banking a lot of these episodes and we want to keep our content mm-hmm. evergreen, that maybe we would reach out to you, dear mm-hmm. listeners, the teabaggers out there, um, with something that we're called the Forgotten Project, which is what we wanted to ask you guys if there was anything that we've talked about on the show that we didn't finish or a topic that you wanted us to talk about, that you asked us to talk about. Or that we that promised, we promised. <laughs> that we were going to get back to. We'll do that another time. And then we never did. Never, that we never did. So um, in the uh, preparation for this uh, uh, this journey, I actually uncovered a whole bunch of emails that I was never able to get to or I'd bookmark because it's like, okay, well, maybe when, you know, because oh. they're, they're a bit longer, the questions, you know, the inquiry is a bit longer. Uh-huh. So um it's going to be a bit of a balance between, you know, people asking, can you talk about this? And then also, you know, emails from, I found one from answering. Yeah, but, but I, this is a great, this is, could, could we get to the point where we have no mail? Um, yeah, I think so. Including Patreon, you mean? Yeah, yeah. no, I think that's very, that, that, that is very possible. Like, I also okay. need to apologize to a bunch of these people, um, whose emails I bookmark, like, if you wrote in two years mm. ago and like, why are those fucking guys? Ne-? Well, I, I did intend to get to it, but you know, for whatever reason, we just never, never did. But it is my intention to reach out to you and and you'll see. Well, when we get to some of these letters, like <laughs> some were a little time sensitive. Okay, sure, 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 but, sure. You know, I think Help! I need money, <laughs> yeah. please. You're my favorite podcast. <laughs> it's the thought that counts. Um, let's start off though with just a few yeah. anecdotes that people want us to elaborate on or get to the bottom of. Um, this uh, is off our Instagram. This came from uh, Pretend Yelling. He says, "Way back in the early days, Will started a story about something happening in the bathroom in the Qantas lounge. Unfortunately, I don't remember any mm. more details than that." as a prompt, so it may be mm-hmm. lost forever. Does that ring a bell? Did something happen to you? It does ring a bell, and I, I'm i not going to continue Uh-oh. that story. It was at the time, I, I pretty much, like I think I moved on for good reason, and uh, I am not going to revisit that lost. good reason. But I do remember the story. Lost to the annals of history. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and particularly these times with the trouble that Qantas is having. Let's not pile anything more <laughs> on top of it. Okay, this is from Marty, uh, Marty Nestor, also on Instagram. Was there more? Was there uh, talk of finding the biggest horse in the world, or did you guys peak oh, at yeah. Norway? Yeah, look, I think we did mm-hmm. uh, dabble with that idea. Every now and then, someone will send me an article linking to someone being the biggest horse in the world. I think Elias, um, our Norwegian friend, uh who uh, claimed to have the biggest – this horse – well, the horse you can see posted just over there. That's the biggest horse in Norway. Um, he didn't claim it was the biggest horse in the world. He said there's much bigger horses even in like neighboring, neighboring Scandinavian countries. But um, I am fascinated by uh, the concept of like big horses now. Like every time someone sends me like a Clydesdale or, or a real yeah. big horse, I'm like, oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a big horse. What's your relationship with horses like? Uh, well, so at the moment, there are three horses in the paddock, in fact, just down from where I am. Um, so we've recently just had some neighbors like, you know, bring their horses into, cause our paddock is full of, you know, horse food and the horses have come down to eat, which is pretty fun. And they're really good horses. They're just like, they are wrapped. They, they feel like they've been at a, um, 
uh, they, they've got they've just got keys to the world's last sizzler, and it's like everything has <laughs> yeah. to go. Whatever's in this, yeah, they're in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory where it's like. If you can see it, you can yeah. eat it. Just walk around this paddock and whatever you want to eat, you can actually just chew off a bit. It's all food. And they are absolutely treating it like that at the moment, which is pretty fun. Iona's just started riding lessons. Jem grew up riding mm-hmm. horses. She grew up in the country, obviously. Yeah. Um, and we have friends who have uh, horses in the property not too far from here. Uh, firstly, she took to it. Clearly gets it from her mother because if anyone's ever seen mm. me on a horse, in fact, I was on a horse for a couple of episodes of McLeod's Daughters and then they very quickly switched me to a motorbike because like, this guy does not look like a jackaroo. He does not look like a natural horseman. And I was on yeah, like, just- I was on the most rider friendly TV train. Like these horses have been in the business longer than I have. And even I couldn't make it look convincing. Um, she loves it, but seeing the amount of work that goes into ha- like it is a full time job having horses like my friend she and her daughter are like they've got three horses two ponies and man like the amount of work that goes into it it's not like just having a pet it's like having another like a a dependent adult like a dependent like human being living living with you expensive human being well that's the great thing about having somebody else's horses in your paddock they do all that stuff. I just get to get up and look at some horses in the morning, which is pretty fun. Now, we might have covered this at the time, but I did a little Googling while we were having that conversation about the world's biggest horse. And I think I do remember perhaps, that, that or at least it got sent to us at the time, um, when the world's biggest horse died. So um, I'm going to go back to this in case, because I think there's at least a couple of, like, we certainly did not read this page last time if we did talk about it. So Uh, I'm on the Guinness World Records page. So Guinness World Records are saddened to hear that the record holder for the tallest horse living has passed away. So firstly, this is already like, do we consider tallest to be the biggest horse? I am not sure. but So there's tallest and longest, um, I guess? Is that how they're the two measurements? Like from tail to nose and from hoof to head? Well, hopefully we will get it get to this. So here's what I'm going to get you to firstly guess: is can you guess the name of the world's the record the world record holder for the tallest horse living? Single so, single word sadly, name or double barrel or whatever. So no, well, so the yeah, so the second name is a like a guy's name, a particularly yeah. popular guy's name in say the late '90s, early 2000s. Okay. I really identify this this name with. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you'd imagine, in fact, I think one of the characters on Melrose Place had this name. Right. Yeah. Uh, if that, uh, and then <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, come on. The, the first name is a qualifier. So, and the most obvious qualifier that you can imagine for a story about the, the, uh, the, uh, well, the biggest horse. Well, big is the first name, right? World. Big. Correct. Yeah. Yes, correct. Big um, something. Now, now, I'm just Googling Melrose Place characters yeah. to see. Yeah, oh, okay. Jake. Big Jake. Big Jake, the record holder <laughs> for the tallest horse living. <laughs> I honestly could not think of one male character, but then just like it just came uh, in a loop. Jake. Yeah, Jake. Yeah. Big Jake. Big Jake. So uh, this was the news from Facebook 28th of June 2021. So a bit out of date, but it is with a heavy heart we share the passing of Big Jake. Big Jake was much more than a world record holder. He was a central part of our family. Well, that's very nice. Um, yeah. Okay, so let me. Big, I got to imagine losing yeah. a horse, like having lost a dog, and knowing how much that hurt. Like I imagine losing a horse in terms of like it goes dog then horse in terms of like 
your best mates, right? I know what you mean. So, like, I do think that, yes, it would be absolutely huge. Big Jake resided at Smoky Hollow Farm in Wisconsin, USA. He broke the record for the tallest horse living on 19th of January 2010 and first appeared in the 2011 edition of the World Guinness Record Book. So, like, Big Jake had been the biggest horse in the world for, like, 10 years. Yeah. Big Jake, uh, okay, he, we, we, uh, without shoes, measured <laughs> that heel. Yeah, <laughs> uh, twenty hands. So, how tall do you think in human? So, what is that? Okay, so what do you think that is? Uh, like, is it actual? Any, any, I, mean, yes. I, I mean, my hands are much smaller <laughs> than your right. hands. So, twenty hands would be. I'm going to say. Uh, so it's from foot to the top of his head. Yeah, Um, in centimetres. Oh, okay, I'm going to say 207 centimetres tall. Mate, 210 210 centimetres. Wow. That's pretty – that is pretty close. I was just imagining (laughs) there was a ruckman standing in front of me. I was like, what a ruckman. There are generally 200 centimetres. Five extra on there. All right, so – he was the offspring of two average size horses, so you never know. Um, Fuck a horse, you might get a big one. <laughs> he was. <laughs> so he, he so that's the message I'm getting. Is that what you're saying? Just fucking he wasn't tall horse. for a foal. He wasn't exceptionally big. Right. But he just kept on going. Roids, is that what you're saying? Not it's a HGH, size. not human growth hormones, horse horse growth hormones. Growth hormones. He's on the HGH, no, the horse growth hormones. Uh, his large size meant he ate two full buckets of grain and a bale of hay per day. How many chicken nuggets? <laughs> Sorry, that's a late time <laughs> the podcast. More than 16 chicken nuggets? Okay. <laughs> in joke, in joke. Ah, uh, man. There you go. All, All right. right. Well, well yeah, that's I think big so, joke. I think there's not. I think that explains why we didn't go more on big horse stories. Oh. I think we've really there's not much more to say after Big Jake. Big Jake's passing. Pour yeah. one out. Pour one out for Big Jake. T- tap a hoof for Big Jake. Um. Uh. Uh. uh a. I don't know how to pronounce. This is someone on Instagram. A. A. P. N. M. G. E. Did we ever mm-hmm. hear? The end of how you'd continued the pod if Will was hiding from assassins. I seem to remember a lot, um, a lot with drop-offs and cassette tapes and bushes. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think we did end it because, I mean, there was no conclusion to the story. We were just speculating if Will had to go into hiding in the hills of the hinterland or near a waterfall, how we would continue doing the show. Um, I guess that sort of dovetails into the show Hunted because we we uh, good. came up All with right, that hypothetical. Good, yes before we watched the show hunted i still haven't seen it but having now watched that show do you think our plan of i think you're going to record on cassette tapes and leave them in an unmarked envelope sent somewhere that was going to be how we continued the show do you think that would work okay so here's what i i studied hunted I was so repulsed by that show and the idea of that show and our surveillance society and like the glorification of it, but I also could not stop watching it. And mostly it was within mind, how would I go in this situation? And I've learned a lot, Charlie. Firstly, I've got to make friends in the seek community because when it comes to a game of hide and seek, you you need a seek on your side because they are the nicest people and so happy to you just- mean the religious sect seeks, S-I-K-H, yes, right? seeks. Okay, right. They are- <laughs> Honestly, the greatest people and very much up for looking after somebody within their own community. So firstly, in this scenario, one of the things I really want to put in place at the moment 
is friends in the Sikh community. Okay. I know that's like, it seems like a weird one, but I'm just going to try to make some friends well, in the Sikh community. Here, if we, after the floods in the Northern Rivers, <laughs> they drove their food truck up here and were handing out food. Right. So it's a good chance you could. If there is any Sikhs who listen to this podcast, I would love to just like, you know, can you give me an intro into the community? That's, that is one of my big takeaways from it. The second thing is that you need potential to be able to change your appearance. Like that's something that is a really big thing because because there are so many ways for you to be observed. Like I'd never really thought through disguise as much. I think we've really got to lean into the idea that we've got to have be able to have a series of disguises. So like what that means is the most successful people on Hunted, they started with a look that could gradually be changed. So like at the start, I was like, it's a weird this show. There's a lot of people with full beards. Yeah. You know, like on TV, you yeah, don't yeah. generally see it. Or like it's the Survivor. These guys look like the people at the end of Survivor, not at the start of Survivor. But cunningly, I realized, well, of course, that was because it's harder for you to grow a beard during the time that you're trying to be away. But what you can do is that you can shave a beard during that time. Like, you know, you can shave I love the idea of you not realizing that until the competition has started and just sitting in your (laughs) hiding spot, like furiously trying to sprout a beard. And we all know how terrible I am at growing a beard. So I've really got to put in a few months beforehand. And then some makeup skills. I think one of the like handiest things to have is makeup skills. So like, um, you know, the ability to be able to like, you know, apply makeup, change my appearance in that way is something that I think we really, like I really need to develop. So I think that I need to firstly move a whole bunch of clothes, like a wardrobe full of clothes into the cave. Like previously <laughs> to this happening, I just need to fill the cave. The cave needs to look like a walk-in closet, yeah. like a walk-in sort of like yeah, next top model. cave. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got to have like some mirrors with lights around them, you know, that sort of thing yeah. so I can do my makeup properly and a whole wardrobe in my cave. I think that's going to be very important so that I can throw people off the scent. We were right about the fact of getting out in the middle of nowhere. Like the more you stay in the city and stuff, the more chance you are that somebody or something's going to observe you on their like security cameras so and those on, sort of things. On this so, show, do they show you how like easy it is to find someone with CCTV and like ATM cameras and Yeah, of course. The thing they do on the show that they can't do in real life yet, although shows like this, you know, pave the way for it, is immediately access those things. So on this show, if you were a team of people and you walked into a shop. They'd be like, oh, look, there's a security camera in the corner. We're going to access that security camera footage. Now, of course, a Channel 10 TV show can't just ring up a random shop and say, can we have your CCTV and then immediately have it in real time. They would then cheat it for TV where the camera crew that were following the people around, they'd use that footage clearly to recreate what they potentially could do. So the things that they could do on the show, it would take much longer to access that particular, you know, ATM security camera or whatever it is than it would. So I think we've got a little bit of a buffer, but you essentially need to, the more you can be off the grid. And the thing is, you don't want to camp in the middle of nowhere because of course drones, right? If you're in the middle and if they suspect you're in the middle of nowhere, the immediate thing they're going to do is send drones. So I think a cave, like I think that we stumbled on in a lot of ways, a cave in sort of like a forested area somewhere where you can scavenge for your own needs and supplies, access to a water source, relative cover from like, you know, drones being able to spot you away from any sort of surveillance and keeping those things to a minimum. That was a good approach. 
So I'm going to say like we nailed all that aspect of it. I want to film a cave with some different costumes and some makeup equipment. And then in regard to actually recording the podcast itself, this is where things get tricky because like any sort of electronic communication, that's where you can get intercepted and monitored. So that's that's where it's hard. So I still think that some sort of like blind drop-off or, to be honest, meetups, but then you're going to have to throw your tail. So what what they did in this show was they were going, they'd go through your social media or whatever and they'd be like, who are their contacts? Who are their primary contacts? We're going to go and like surveil the house of, you know, this person because they're the most, they're in this area. They know this person in this area. They're the most likely person that they're going to contact in this area. So people are going to know that you, so they're going to be on your tail. So now it's up to your capacity to, do you think that you would be able to in your day to day life? No, no. Okay, all I right. think I was think I was just thinking about that. Like, is it possible to launder the tape? So, just say you have to get a cassette tape to me, so I can keep doing the podcast. Right. Uh, in my uh-huh. head, I'm like, what if we could train like mm. a pigeon or an eagle? Like, you uh-huh. have a falcon, you right. become a falconer, and you train mm-hmm. a falcon, mm-hmm. and so uh-huh. you record you record that your end of the uh, of the podcast, and then you. Get the falcon. There's a train it to drop it off at a certain point, and then we uh-huh. get a third party who has no like. Maybe I contact them anonymously and say, "Hey, there'll be a hundred dollars uh-huh. in your bank account every Wednesday. You just need to drive to this field and pick up this package, and then just leave mm-hmm. it in this other spot." So we just launder it that way. Like put another layer in between. So at least if you know someone does get tracked or whatever, it doesn't come directly back to me. At least not at first. Okay, so. Complicated though to do that training is what I would say. That I think I feel like that's yeah. I feel like that's too like if we were going to do a falconer, we might as well just have a drone of our own, right? That's a good idea. Let's get a drone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of the things they did quite effectively on the show was create a false trail, like throw them off the scent. So, for example, if I need to get somebody to use, say, like my credit card or whatever in a particular town that was like two hours away. And then like two two days later, you make a trip to oh, that yeah. particular town that they think then that the podcast has been recorded yeah. in that time. Even though like you go inside somewhere, they can't get inside. The podcast comes out. They assume it's happened during that time. But what they don't realize is that when you rode your bike to the gym that day, when you went into the gym, you ducked out the back of the gym into the bushes where I was waiting and we just sat in the bushes, recorded a podcast. You went back into the gym and then just came out the front all like sweaty and stuff and they didn't know that we recorded a podcast. How about we set up a fake live show as like a sort of speed style? So Uh, we have to do it early. So we know you've Mm. got like 48 hours. So we go into the bushes, we set up cameras Mm. and we record a bunch Mm. of live podcasts and Mm. then – we make an announcement that, oh, we're doing a live TOEFOP. And so the people hunting you are like, oh, great. Well, we'll just wait for the signal. And so we, you know, we put a, we use a VPN, fake IP address. We played the episode through that VPN, through that IP, uh, uh, um, uh, through that IP address. And so they get taken. They think they're going to like, you know, the woods in Tasmania or, or something uh-huh. like that. That'll yep. work once, right? Yep. And then after that, they're going to be like, well, 
he's wearing the same t-shirt they've pre-recorded all of these yeah but that's fine like that gives us if we pre-recorded a whole bunch of them that then gives me a couple of like months in the cave right to well, come no, up with like, my uh, other plan <laughs> well let's be honest like we pre-recorded three because <laughs> you know yeah, we get okay. tired we've got other things we need to do you've got to get <laughs> a wardrobe right. moved into a cave you've got things to do so like we pre-recorded three so we've got like <laughs> got, not that's months still like worth. a well, that's still like three and a half weeks. I've got three and a half weeks to you come really up with think another that plan. Your hunters are going to wait a week to see when the second episode <laughs> comes out before they make some inquiries. I think they would investigate the first one, realize they've been duped, and then they would just recalibrate their attack. How would you go under questioning? So, this is like one of the most important things that I've realized is like a lot of this entire plan depends on your capacity to hold up your end of the story when you've got a bunch of like officials like questioning you hard and like, you know, well, you like know making threats to. It's funny. Like, like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I would have been like, oh, terrible. But I've been watching a lot of leftist, um, you know, slash socialist communist uh, YouTubers lately uh, uh. who are very uh, anti-cop. And, you know, a lot of them will play videos of like ordinary citizens like, this is how you respond to questioning by police and you don't have to give them this and you don't have to give them that. And I watched this video of a teenager, uh, like he was a teenager in somewhere in the States and he flipped off a cop car that drove past and the cop came by and, you know, was harassing him and then called for backup and they were trying to arrest him. And this kid knew his shit so well, was just like, you can't arrest me. I can fucking flip you off. That's free speech, First Amendment rights. I know what I'm doing. And the cops are like, you're creating a public disturbance. It's like, hang on. I didn't create the public. I was walking along the street. You pulled the car over. You, this is the disturbance now. What you cops are doing now, this is the disturbance. And the cops are like, well, we're going to arrest you. That For what? Wait, fuck you. Fuck you. It starts like just like, and I'm like, oh my God, this kid is amazing. So if I could just summon some of that kind of, that, that energy of that 17-year-old fucking socialist that I saw on YouTube, then yeah, I could probably do it. Yes. I mean, that's who you really need. Like on yeah. your side in this scenario is like one of those a cocky that, teenager, like, just a cocky teenager who doesn't give a fuck about authority. Who's just like, what are you going to do about it? Fuck you! <laughs> he was literally calling this cop a motherfucker to his face. It was amazing. You can't do it, motherfucker. I know my law. I'm a lawyer. I'm actually like a doogie. Ha- I'm <laughs> yeah, like a doogie right. houser of law. I actually know my shit back to front for this scenario. <laughs> fuck you! Fuck you! I've been practicing flipping on. So yeah, I think um, I-, I would just watch a bunch of those vids and get all like inspired, and then I'd sit there just being like, "Fuck you!" I mean, because who are they? Are they yeah. are they the authorities? Are they a private? If they're authorities, I'd feel a lot safer because I feel like there is some kind of you know recourse if it's some shadowy right. mercenary group now fuck that like i don't want to be buried at the bottom of the yeah. field somewhere oh so immediately me having you involved in this plan has like done me in is that what you're saying <laughs> like you're immediately like oh, yeah he's in a cave i've got a family he's in a cave definitely in a cave check caves you'll find it if, if it's like they're threatening me through the courts look, look for a cave that's full of clothes that's him yeah if you find a cave that's got some mirrors i mean are you like with all this stuff that's happening with uh you know the, the fbi raiding trump's home and stuff and the files like yes i feel like we're all at a point now where like it's like well nothing's gonna happen like it doesn't matter like they you know even if they found like he sold fucking nuclear codes to whoever like nothing will happen and why though like, why is that? Like, know. why are we at a point in the We've world where we're all it. just resigned to the fact that it's like Rich people. this person might have committed these like horrendous crimes and we're just going to be like, yeah, but nothing's going to happen. Because I think we've just, we've all realized that wealthy, powerful people, there is a different 
justice system to the rest of us. Like, you know, you're a single mother. You have, you have been watching a lot. Of, you've been watching a lot of these socialist videos <laughs> online. <haven't you? laughs> Mate, I've been radicalized. But it is like, <sighs> it, I, you know, I think we had this kind of naive idea that, oh, yeah, you know, there are justices served. But it's like that's the one thing Trump did, you know, uh, his whole – if his whole – or if he was controlled by Vladimir Putin who wanted to expose mm. – Western hypocrisy about, you know, democratic countries and the way they're run. Well, he's pretty right. Like in the way that Trump early on just demonstrated that he could say and do fucking anything and there would be no repercussions. There'd be a lot of tut-tutting and, you know, he'd be impeached and all that kind of stuff, but no real world consequences. Like his kids could go out and sell the presidency, make $2 billion from Saudi Arabia and all these kind of countries, but there's no actual consequences. And I think that is the same on both sides of the political spectrum. If you are a well-connected, wealthy politician, yeah, you know, there's not a lot of consequences. I and it, that's not good, though, is it? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I think it's really, really bad. I don't know, but, yeah. but, but so I think that I would not. I don't, I'm not wealthy and, and, and well-connected and powerful, so I imagine that they would, and especially if. You know, if you were the Julian Assange of this scenario where it's like you, they wanted you for significant political purposes, they needed to make an example of you. Well, what the f- they're going to fucking, they're going to scorched earth. They're going to burn everyone down to get to you. Yeah. I, no, I agree with that. Do you feel guilty about putting me and your other friends in that position of being like we're in front of the combine harvester? Well, hang, on, well, hang on. I don't know why I'm on the run, by the way. Like we've never <laughs> identified exactly why I'm on the run. It could, could be for good reasons. I might be the WikiLeaks. because uh, you and your jokes. I- you're always making jokes about people, Will. We know what you're like. You and your, your jokes, you made the joke about the wrong person. Yeah, I mean, that is, is probably 100% what has happened, unfortunately. So you're right. <laughs> Yeah, I do think I do I do I do actually think about that. Is like these yeah, if, if that unfettered power, like, you know, of the idea of like when you're talking to somebody that like I mean, I've got some jokes in my book. I think my book, yes. By the time um people are listening to this and my book has been announced officially. Um, it is called I Am Not Fine, Thanks, and it will be available very soon. Um, but in that book, like there's a whole bunch of stuff about Jeff. Bezos and Jeff Bezos going to space and, you know, like my thoughts on that. And I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what, Jeff Bezos could absolutely have me killed if he wanted to. I mean, he wouldn't bother because I made a few jokes, but if he was offended Mm. enough by those jokes, absolutely he could just have me secretly killed and nobody would. Like, I mean, he has the resources. How do you think that starts though? Like logically. Step me through, like Jeff Bezos, mm. and I'm assuming to this point has had, you know, he's worked, uh, you know, he has not worked with criminals before. Mm. Everything he's done has been legal and above oh, board. It's a generous but assumption. But suddenly something's you happened. Have, you've led with a v- overly generous assumption, I think. But Well, okay, so what's the first call he makes? Okay, so here's what happens. So we know this to be true. This is absolutely true, that Amazon won't sponsor any shows where people say negative things about Jeff Bezos. like. That's something that is just a fact. Like often, that's not true. They sp- they they sponsored our show. I know, but they ask if you like specifically like around. Are you saying negative things about Jeff Bezos? It's like part of what they say. So, oh, really? Is that is that new? Oh, uh, maybe it is. But I imagine that there's some sort of like on Amazon, it would be easy enough for them to 
have an algorithm, right? That any, anything that goes through that Amazon searches that for searches it. for negative Jeff Bezos, for Jeff Bezos references in general, and then anything that's negative. So the first thing would be like, oh, you just like, you know, we're not going to sell their book on Audible or whatever. Like we're not going to sell it on Amazon. Like, we'll ruin them that way. That would obviously be the best way to do yeah. it. But like, let's just say that Jeff is like a real yes, like you're know, surrounded by yes people, right? No one ever says anything mm. negative to Jeff. They all just think he's a genius. And just somehow this has slipped through. And so it hurts him even more than it ordinarily would because he's not really aware that people are, you know, that not everybody thinks it's a great triumph for humanity that he flew his penis into the fucking sky. So um, he's like, fuck it. You know what? Like, because also he's the richest man in the world. What thrill does he have anymore other yeah. than just like, you go, I'm going to, I'm going to get that. He wa- he wants to hunt right. the most dangerous oh, guy. Yeah, exactly. Man. I want to hunt someone, right? Yes. So he's yeah. rich. Yeah. He needs a thrill in his life. He wants to hunt someone and he's identified someone that no one's ever going to put this together, right? Like he's going to be able to get a little like revenge kill out of it, but nobody's ever going to really, like if you went after one of his like most direct business enemies, then on the list of suspects, like if I'm suddenly assassinated, like, and they're drawing up a list of people who've killed me, like Shannon Knoll's going to be higher on that list than <laughs> Jeff Bezos is. You know what I mean? Carl Sanderlands. They're yeah. going to go through a whole list of other people before Bezos's name even really comes up as a suspect. So it's, I mean, but the point is, it doesn't matter that it's me. In any situation, Jeff Bezos, when he's talking to somebody, like he must not have social anxiety because if he says something dumb to someone at a party, he can just get them murdered. But but I I actually want to know practically – like, what's the first call he makes? Like, he's got PAs, right? So oh, he'd have a he'd have a guy. He'd have a like a Mister Wolf. So, so stuff, he'd have a security. Like a, so he'd have a security yeah, guy. And I do. like yeah, an ex a, a, a an ex mercenary black ops yeah, kind of a dude. problem solver. You yeah. think he would? One hundred percent. Because I guess he's getting solver. I guess he's getting extortion attempts and kidnapping yes. attempts and stuff like that happening all, all the, the time. time. You're the richest person in the world. You don't have a problem solver? So he would say to that guy, so he'd call that guy in for mm. a private meeting, no surveillance, no microphones or anything, and he would say, look, um, you know, yeah. ordinarily uh, I hire you to protect me and my family, but there has been this guy in Australia who's been making cracks about me and for some reason yeah. just really got under my skin. Yeah. I need you to take care of it. Is that all he has to say? Yeah. I don't need to know the details, but I think you'd like to know the details. For him, there's a thrill in this, I think. I don't think, I think there's like, I think he wants to. <laughs> he wants to be the one to deliver the yeah. killing block. And I want to kill him. Much like me with the magpie. <laughs> he wants to be the one to deliver. The, he walks into the golf club or what a tennis racket. What I will racket. need <laughs> is a shed in an industrial area and a series of trapeze. And a tiny little bicycle. <laughs> All right. I guess that makes sense. I guess that makes sense. Um, Keegs, this is also on Instagram, says, I was scrolling back through your discography Mm. and I noticed the redacted blurbs about the fax uh, machine uh, from the fax episode that made me (laughs) smile. What a great era for the pod. That was um, a a, a pretty amazing era. There's even like I was actually going to our Patreon page, which you can subscribe to at patreon.com slash TOEFOP for heaps of bonus content. And I found a video from 2018 when I was imploring people to stop <laughs> sending faxes to these poor women. Um, little update. I was actually uh, back in my old neighborhood yeah. a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and I'm not connecting the two, but the news agency is no it's longer gone. in business. Out of there. Gone. 
<laughs> I mean, if it turns out that we like it was a family business, you know, maybe it was stressful living out the back of the shop. And, you know, maybe the husband and wife had been arguing over their investment in this news agency and whether it had been a good idea or not. And then it was just one 48-hour period where the fax machine would not stop ringing. Just broke that them. Broke, broke them. I mean, that's I feel bad for that. I mean, if that is what happened. I mean, more realistically, it's the end of people buying physical newspapers and magazines and, and the mortar. fact that lottery yeah. tickets can now be bought at other places other than news agents. So I reckon that's probably the case, but maybe it was our fax thing as well. It was, I mean, look, it was such a heady time. I remember I did investigate that. Like it, it, made, it tickled us so much, the idea of us having a dedicated fax line, but to actually set up yeah. a fax line was going to be so complicated and I didn't want to be, like, be giving out personal details. I was renting a desk in an office space. I sort of didn't feel comfortable about like having faxes coming through on their business line, but it was a heady time and I still have those faxes. Yeah. Like I actually, you know, if there's ever a Smithsonian mm-hmm. for Australian podcasts, mm-hmm. then we have like so much stuff. I've got the courtroom sketches from when we did our – live show in LA. I've got mm. the faxes that were sent in for our, our brief <laughs> stint with the fax machine. Ah, uh, good times. And this show has had, if nothing else, we have had identifiable periods, haven't well, we? Well, so on uh, the Little Dum Dum Club at the moment, they're running this um, uh, thing that they're doing where uh, they've registered Oz Comedy Hall of Fame and they're putting it up as if there's a real, like there's going to be a real Australian Comedy Hall of Fame, but it's, you know, genuine people mixed in with like Dickie Knee and ostentatious and like it's a troll. It's a giant little dum-dum club troll and it's fun. It's a fun little arc. They've got a podcasting section where the only Australian podcast in it is Little Dum Dum Club and the rest are like Joe Rogan and WTF with Mark Maron and stuff like that. (laughs) But how about, because what one of these things always needs is a rival, right? This is when it actually starts, right? You need a beef between the two saying we're the original. So what if we don't go with like Comedy Hall of Fame, but we just independently try to start because like the podcasting section is like an afterthought for them. So we just like, no, we'll grab the – so we start like a physical, like the one in Cleveland. Have you ever been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in in Cleveland? I've been several times. I've – so I shook my head yeah. and then realized this that is an anyone listening could audio not. Medium. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I used to play Cleveland a lot when I was living in America. I used to buy the comedy club there, which is hilarities, and it's fucking great. They were so supportive of me, and I lo- really love my time in Cleveland. But one of the th- not so, not always like a heap of things to do in Cleveland, and they do have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I would quite regularly go down, and they would have like an update. Someone had been inducted, or they were like featuring a particular. The Rolling, I remember the they were doing a big Rolling Stones like floor at one stage, like one year when I went through there. But it was great. So what if we same size, same scale? So we need like a we need an angel investor. (laughs) We need somebody who is like really has. Is there anyone who's done really well out of Australian podcasting? Hamish and Andy. I guess we need Hamish and Andy, or like. Who are the yeah. like the the real success stories of Australia? Howie, well, Weekly Planet, the Weekly, would be, Planet. The Weekly Planet would be one of you the, know what the biggest. We do actually have the these US. connections, so we need to get the Weekly Planet yeah. and Howie from the Howie Games, Abby Chatfield and Hamish yeah. and Andy in a room, Abby Chatfield, and say we want to put yeah. together the Australian Podcasting Hall of Fame, but yeah. like physically, like as in like you know proper. Yeah. Can we call it 
The TOEFOP. Yeah, TOEFOP presents the Australian, <laughs> Australian podcast. Australian TOEFOP all of presents. <laughs> TOEFOP's Australian Podcasting Hall okay, of Fame. Okay, what about the TOEFOP Hall of Fame? In brackets, presented by well, TOEFOP. Okay, maybe I am thinking too big. Maybe we've gone too far in, yeah. to include other podcasts. Who really gives a shit about that? We need our own Podcasting Hall of Fame that only has TOEFOP-related podcasts. So it's got TOEFOP. There's right. a TOEFOP exhibition. There's a FOFOP. And there's heaps yeah. of guests from FOFOP. There's a FOFOP exhibition. Yeah. There's a philosophy exhibition. There's a like, that's awesome two guys, one uh, exhibition. There's a two guys, one cup exhibition. There's like a dad pod. I'm happy to have a dad pod in there. I'm happy to have yeah. any other podcast that we've featured on can have like a little segment of like little dum-dums there or like, yeah. you know, whatever, because we've guested on one of those programs. So like they can be like part of it, yeah. but it's just like a little sideshow. That's better. Let's do that. Is it yeah. motion? Is it motion yeah. activated like the Bowie yeah, exhibition 100%. where you step into a certain spot yeah. and then it's like a clip from the show? I think it's play? good too because like, yeah, I like, mean, we're 12 years in now, right? We can have us from different eras. Yeah. Like, you know, you got the early yeah. days, you got the different setups, you got the microphones pointed in the wrong direction. You can like actually, you know, sit, sit in. Like, you know, it's maybe like interactive, yeah. like, Kestacon, you know, like I, I like the idea that you can actually sit down and feel like you're actually doing a podcast. I like the idea of like, it's sort of more like the Glen Rowan Hotel as opposed to like the Tupac yeah. hologram. So it's like mannequins yeah, like, in like, we donate some of our old yeah. clothes. And so it's just like a couple of mannequins sitting in front of like a desk that we recreate my old front room from my place yeah. in Randwick. And we just like have a, like a creaky card table and stuff. And like, that old system we used to work oh on. Oh my god, that that's the uh, that's that original hoodie that Will wore yeah. for ninety five episodes <laughs> of the show. Oh look, that's when Charlie said the Avengers film will never make any money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a question here from um, host of uh, Confessions okay. of the Idiot, Sam Peterson, who's a, a big fan of the show. Uh, speaking uh, of, well, he can also have it, Sam Peterson, because yeah. we've both done Confession of the Idiot. And he's so an Confessions up, of the Idiot. He's an upcoming guest on Fofop as well. Um, okay, he brilliant. wants to know when are we going to release our doco about Jay from Five? So that's a recent uh, topic of conversation where we yep. talked about going to Wales, to his little town where we've identified he lives mm-hmm. in Wales and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. searching for Jay. Now, part of me thinks. Like mm. this is content I would watch. This is perfect YouTuber kind of content. This would go fit snugly on our channel, and I think it would be great if you know we somehow could raise money to to buy a couple of airfares, mm. you know, business return, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> fly to Wales and we look for Jay. Uh, but then part of me is like, I mean, man. what if we discover Jay and it's not funny? Like, what if not that his life's in a bad way, but like he has deliberately. Avoided the line. It's just like, what are you guys? What are you guys doing? What, like, like, you literally know that I stepped away from this. <laughs> like, I don't want to be the focus of attention. I anymore. don't want to be your part of your in joke. Like, we, uh, you know, we, we're sort yeah. of, uh, we, we are reducing him to a punchline in our stupid little. Well, yeah. must admit, Hall of Fame admitted uh, podcast, but still, <laughs> you know, our stupid little podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, what if he, the, he just like he, he finds out we're in town and he asks for a sit down without like recording equipment and he goes, "Hey guys, hey, I'm not even like I'm not even saying this isn't fun or funny. I get it. I'm a guy your age. I get like the, how this could be like an interesting thing, a funny thing. But like, I was famous and it wasn't good for me and it wasn't good for my like family and friends. And I, if I wanted to be in the public eye, I could be. 
I could step back into the public eye anytime and appear on I'm a celebrity, get me out of here or like any of these shows. Like, you know, I'm I'm Jay from Five, man. Like I I could join those other three remaining members of Five and get back on the road with them. Like I if I if I wanted this in my life, there are ways I could have this in my life. And you what you're doing is cruel. It's actually, to be honest, it's really cruel. You've taken something that I've intentionally stepped away from and you've tried to drag me back into it for your gratification, for the gratification of your listeners. Am I a joke to you? Is that what I am? Do you look at me and do you think I'm a joke? Do I do I amuse you? Is that am I the subject so, of your So Jay, let me just get amusement? this straight. Are you saying yeah. by bringing up your history with the boy band five, would you say that five is making you get down, down? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jay's like, I am not okay. <laughs> I was okay until you guys arrived and now I am not okay. I mean, I think I would listen to that and I would be very like receptive to that. But part of me would be like, Jay, this is done out of affection. Like consider the strength of your charisma. Like yeah. you only were famous for three or four mm-hmm. years in a band that, you know, respectfully mm-hmm. – you know, it fits somewhere in the pop oeuvre, uh, but it's not nearly uh, as big as some of your uh, uh, of your contemporaries. Uh, oh, but yeah, you, okay. sir, you, sir, yeah. have captured not just my imagination uh, but my heart. I have memorised your raps, if if you'd indulge me, Jay. Oh, no. You get a rap in <laughs> front of him? Yes, okay. I'm back. Sorry, I'm back now. I'll be your resident. If, <laughs> if this is what happens, if Jay says, could you please not <laughs> And then you sit across the table and say, but Jay, will it help you? <laughs> Just give me a beat. Just give me a beat. <laughs> I'll be the resident president. I'm the fifth element. Jimmy Flash, Snooker Stone, Cold's how I'm hitting them. Better get together, put your hands in the sky. Stick them up, punk, hit them low, hit them high. Now I'm the bad boy that you invite for dinners. Ain't got no manners because I eat with my fingers. Lock boys terrorize the neighborhood. And hounds of the basketballs be up to no good. So come on, come on, everybody keep checking us. Come on with the funk, bring it on, wickedness. Do you think he gets up and leaves or just a single tear? Le- left halfway through, back down to the room, halfway through, you're still rapping louder <laughs> so they can hear. Um, who's that, that great actor, that British actor? Michael Sheen. Uh, did you see the clip of him that went viral a couple of weeks ago now when we were recording? No. But, um, uh, so he's Welsh, I believe, and it's like a kind of a, a, a speech uh, on like it does a bit of a speech on behalf of Wales and it's like you know a bit of a call to arm for Welsh sovereignty and I must uh. admit that it's super inspiring if people haven't seen it they probably have seen it by now it went viral but it's well worth checking out but I'm engaged in Wales I, what I've noticed is since this Jay storyline and understanding that he's now in Wales and there is this town that has this like book festival I must admit that Rich now anything history. Welsh comes up my curiosity has peaked a little. Like I lean in and listen a little harder. And I think that I think that I've been captured by Wales and the idea of going to Wales. So I'm I'm not ruling out the idea of us taking this journey, is what I'm saying. I mean, what a time to uh be England right now. Like you market yourself as Great Britain. We are an alliance of right. three of these like powerful countries, like Scotland had an independence referendum only like, what, six years ago and lost by a whisker. Part of the reason yeah. they lost is um, uh, they were promised that they would stay in the EU if you, if you, if you remained in Great Britain. So now Scotland's right. looking at its options. You've got Wales claiming independence. Look at the way Ireland 
reacted to the death of the queen. Like, I think if you were like had any old fashioned ideas about like the power of the realm right now, it's got to be pretty shaky. Like, what what are you offering us, England? Like, why should we say? In, if if anything, like you are a hindrance to us moving forward. Um, it is the power of the queen, regardless of like. Yeah, I mean, we're a couple of weeks away from it now, and it's you know like whatever. Like everyone, you know, had a million opinions, and you can check the internet for all those opinions. But I think. The the greatest power of the queen is that the minute she died, I think now you just see how ridiculous having a bloody king is. Like in this day and age, you know, it was kind of because we'd had the queen for so long and she'd always been part of it. You were like, okay, well, we're still doing this because like, you know, she was a queen from the time when countries had queens and that was a thing and she's still like alive and being the queen. So that's fine. But the idea of like, swearing in a new king in this day and age and that our country i mean it's incredible that like that our country technically still like he's the king of australia it's so it feels so ridiculous it feels like yeah it's even even crazier is that i've been watching you know as as well as um being radicalized by a leftist uh, socialist youtube i've been also dipping into a lot of like right-wing youtube i am and the amount of right-wing americans who were tearfully kind of eulogizing Queen Elizabeth. It's like, hang on, isn't America a country that waged a bloody war of independence? Yeah, you, you left. Against England? You left literally because yeah. you did not want now, this involved in your because shit. Because of a monarchy. <laughs> and now you're like, she was a beautiful woman who epitomized, like, I, th- I mean, I think a lot of it is all about, like, she was yeah. the epitome of white supremacy and colonialism, right. which they really dig, <laughs> like, on the right. But it's just, it's fucking nuts that it's like this country that's proudly, like, independent. Don't tread on me. Is like, oh, like we we miss the queen. Yeah, it's. I mean, anyway, the discourse around her death it is complicated, of course, because I think that you know what people admire about the queen was like that she, even if her role is a ridiculous role that is completely outdated, that um, she did it well, right? She served well. She served with like grace and whatever. But then you read. Like, you know, obviously from people who were, you know, victims of colonization and the history of like, and like, you know, you start to read genuinely good and intelligent rebuffs of like, you know, both that position and even her role, like Elizabeth's role in that position. I think they're all very valid, right? Yeah. Like they're valid things yeah. to say. Yeah, advising, adv- advising <clears throat> Lady Di not to um, support HIV research because it was a bad look for yeah. the royal family. There's, Probably not great. Yeah, there's, there's shit that she did like wrong that people can be angry about. The idea that those two things, this is where we are in the world, right, is that the idea that mm. absolutely all those things are true. Like you can, you know, feel sorry for an old lady who died. You can like see like a lot of positives she did. You can pick out negative things she did. You can talk about like what the role of royalty is, whether it's a tourist attraction or a fucking actual thing. Like, you know, you have discussions around sovereignty of nations and how outdated it is for like, I mean, this idea that in Australia, they're like, oh, well, we're going to have to put Charles on the money now. How about we just don't put a fucking just like died. a royal from another country yeah. on our fucking money? How about that? Like, can yeah. we just yeah. whack another echidna on or something instead? Like, I think that's the ostrich, right? <laughs> put Aussie ostrich on, didn't he die? The guy did Aussie ostrich, right? Let's. But I mean, it seems ridiculous to me now that we're like, like it's not. 
they're not our royal family. Like it's so ridiculous no. in relation to Australia that we pretend that, that they have any association with Australia. And we've broken our own rule about not discussing anything topical, but look, we're two uh, weeks sorry, out. Yeah. We're, we're two <laughs> weeks well, out. I mean, that. the Queen will still be in the news. Like they'll just be, they'll just be putting her in the ground. They'll just be playing comedy on the BBC again. It's okay to uh, laugh, guys. <laughs> that is Tofop for this week. Uh, we said go to patreon.com slash Tofop if you want to support the show. Check out all, all yes. our great, oh God, great bonus content. Don't forget, clips from the shows go up on our YouTube page, Tofop TV on oh, yes. YouTube, and you can go to tofop.com to find out more about those shows. Uh, Two Guys, One Cup, final episode uh, coming up. I uh, should also plug the grand final live show is coming up <laughs> uh, this Sunday, uh, the 25th, 4 p.m. at the European Beer Cafe. My Will won't be able to make it, but he'll be dialing in. It'll be me. Adam Rosenbach, Michael Chamberlain, live on stage with some special guests. So if you want to come down and see some live comedy, you should do that. One other thing I need to plug, Will, what is it? I can't remember. Oh, we want to let people. Um, Dad Pod, yes, new episodes of Dad Pod out every Thursday. But uh, no, what I was going to say is, uh, if you want to uh, submit more ideas for the Forgotten Project, you can. Oh yes, just uh, hit us up on social media, DMS, or send. Uh, go to the website and send us a message uh, via hello to- hello at tofop.com. But for now, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. Cool things for cool people.